This is the Hockey Flow. It's a weekly show that focuses on the critical stories happening in hockey today with a focus on the NHL. And joining me, of course, are our two co-hosts, Marco D'Amico from ScrimmageAndStats.com. You can follow all of his work on Twitter at the Hockey Expert, And other co-host, Adam Boucher at ReallyAdamB on Twitter. And my, myself, I'm AJ Cordero. I'm the host. I produce the show. Let's get right into it. Boys, we had some hockey action. Where do we start? Oof. That's such a hard question. This has been such a Should we talk about hockey. who got swept? Let's start there. Who got swept? The, the Rangers. Rangers! Sebastian Ajo Masterclass. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Adam. Actually, what were your first impressions of this series? Uh, quick ending, three games in a row. Goodbye. Uh, sayonara to those beautiful dreams of hosting a Stanley Cup, but potentially have a chance, a 1 12th chance at Lafreniere. We'll see. So 0 for 7 on the power play. That's particularly uh, one of the key things that we have to take away from that series, right? That was crazy. 0 for 7 on the power play for the first uh, first game of the series. They ended up losing 3-2. Uh, even just go 2 for 7 on the power play and, and it's a different game. Um, I think for that first game, we have to focus on how solid Slavin was, uh, considering Hamilton wasn't playing. And also, it's it was all Kane's top line in Sveshnikov, Aho, and Teravainen. They were just incredible to watch, and for the whole series, actually. Um, you know, I I would also like to give a little bit of credit, just a smidge, to Jordan Stahl's line for the Carolina Hurricanes because that that they shut down Panarin and Zabinijad, uh, be it on the power play on the PK. Uh, I know that they uh, they didn't necessarily score a power play goal in their first game, uh, but Strom's pass to Panarin at the tail end of the power play, like it's unofficially a power play. The guys was, wasn't even out of the box yet. So, is it was their power play? No, I think it was their five on five play that sunk them. I think the the Rangers, you know, a lot of people pointed the finger to Henry Lundqvist, and I don't think that's fair because he was pulling out saves that didn't make any sense. Um, I tell you why Carolina won. I never thought I'd say this and I'd have to eat crow from last week because goaltending, goaltending won. Uh, I think I have maybe like 10 highlight reel saves from both Morazic and Reimer in those three games. It is ridiculous. So I think defensively they were able to be the more aggressive team. Uh, they were able to shut down, but they were also able to attack the New York Rangers weaknesses. Uh, and I think that's something we can dive into deeper. But um, going into the playoffs, a lot of people were saying how Tony D'Angelo uh, was a top pair defenseman. I think uh, Tony D'Angelo responded to those, um, I would say, high merits with an emphatic no. Uh, I think it was very evident that he's out of his element when he plays more than about 20-ish minutes a game. I think he's an ideal uh, power play specialist on the second pair. And I think that this was most evident that the Rangers need to continue their rebuild, uh, especially when it comes to their defense. And before any Rangers fans get mad, you have the pieces in place. Condre Miller, Niels Lundqvist, uh, you just got to go and get more. Ryan Lindgren, uh, you just got to go and get I more. I have to ask, though, I mean, does this mean that the, the Hank era, the Lundqvist era is effectively over? No, he's got one year left on his deal. I mean, to be fair, I mean, and it wasn't goaltending. It wasn't goaltending that was the problem. It wasn't. It was defense and 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 balanced offense, I would say, because I, you know, I enjoyed what I saw from Capo Caco. But if he would have played like that for the Montreal Canadiens, 
we would hear about it for the rest of the summer. So on that end, I liked what I saw from the young guys. And, and even then a rebuilding club that has Vitaly Kravtsov on, on the sidelines, while you have Carolina that is absolutely unafraid of playing Martin Nisas or uh, Morgan Geeky, uh, to me, that, that's a little questionable. So again, are they really rebuilding? Are they not? Are they putting the best ice roster to win? Um, a lot of teams are going through those very hard questions. So for me, I think that Shesterkin is obviously number one. I think Georgiev is the one that's out the door. Didn't even needs, get a lick. He, he needs to get traded. I think it, he's, yeah. he's one of those guys that I, you know, a team like the Blackhawks might zero in on. Um, perhaps, you know, for Dylan Strom uh, and a package of stuff. But, you know, I'm, that's just me speculating. But I don't, I don't see Georgiev sticking around. And I think that Lundqvist is the perfect mentor to help carry the load for Shesterkin for another season before he takes over as number one. And they need to deal Georgiev because they could be losing him to, to the expansion, right? Correct. So Correct. They, I think they, they have to move one of the three in, and I think it's, he's the one that makes the more sense. Yep. Also, the cap. You have to think about it. Lundqvist's caps, cap hit is like, what, 7.8? Or no, 8.25 or something like that. It's, it, was very, it was the highest cap hit before Carey Price hit the $10 million mark, and then everybody else kind of jumped in. So, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I just, like I said, I think it was very evident that uh, Mark Stahl is on his last legs. I think it was very evident that Jacob Truba is perhaps not necessarily as great as he made out to be. Uh, one guy that I really enjoyed in that series was Adam Fox. Uh, Adam, we've talked about Adam Fox a lot. Um, I feel like he's the one with the most potential on that blue line as we speak. Not counting the prospects that weren't eligible to play. I don't know what you thought of Adam Fox or if, if you got a good look at him. I mean, I, I like this play. I think he carried off right, right up. He ca carried right off where he, he left, left it after the season. One player I really liked, uh, we were talking about the Rangers offense struggling was Ryan Strom. Yeah. He played pretty good, especially in the third game. He was all over the place. He was playing very well um, compared to his Fellow, line mates, uh, yeah. yeah, line mates. I mean. we, we talked about this at the beginning of last week. He's got a contract up for yeah. renewal this year as well. And oh. he went and proved that he's just not a, he's not a product of Artemi Panarin, but very much a complicit duo. So worth seeing because he made some pretty good passes. And I think that we finally saw the player that the New York Islanders drafted fifth overall. Um, so it's good. Uh, unfortunately for the Rangers or fortunately for the Rangers, um, You know, if they don't win the lottery, chances are not on their side. Chances are not on anybody's side. Uh, they'd be picking somewhere around, uh, I believe, 12 to uh, anywhere between 11 to 13, depending on who loses the following plane. So um, not a, ideally where you want to be as a rebuilding club. But again, uh, a lot of teams are going to say this. The experience was worth more. On to other fun okay, series. Okay, so the next AJ. fun series that we want to talk about for sure is what's happening between the Oilers and the Blackhawks. So, a team... Uh, yeah, not, not defense. defense, clearly. 6-3 um, win uh, on Monday night for the Edmonton uh, Oilers. Uh, excuse, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, the Edmonton Oilers. 
Weren't they two, like, or six three on one end and That's six right. four on so the it's, other? It's a whiplash yeah. kind of thing going on here. Plenty of goals, lots of action, uh, and a oh. first playoff hat trick last game for Connor McDavid. So I'll throw it over to you, Marco. What were your first impressions of the game so far? Connor McDavid on the rush is a friggin' cheat code. <laughs> I just, it's insane how this guy can pick up that much speed. The edge work as he cuts across on, I believe it was Mata. Yeah. <sighs> And he finishes backhand. It's just disgusting. Um, and really kind of confusing how, like, again, the Oilers are just being saved by a franchise player. Um, in the first game, I appreciated the play of Taylor Yamamoto. And the one guy that nobody's talking about for the Oilers, uh, who is really right there with McDavid in terms of offensive production, is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Not Dry Seidel, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, and I feel like. For me, he is the one that really kind of stepped up in game two defensively uh, to try and hold down uh, the Taze line. I liked what I saw. I mean, you could take a lot of big things away from this series, but um, what what does Chicago really need to pull off here if they want to pull off the win? I'm going to throw it over to you, Adam. I mean, obviously, Taze was talking about how they stepped up in their game and Chicago really did not respond yeah, comparatively. No, so they had... They had- a very good first game. Kubalik and Taze had respectively five points and three points each. Um, I think they, they really need to step up in, in terms of well, playing more a, a team game. But on, on the other hand, I think it's just scary to see that Edmonton, it, it's a tie series. It's, a, it's 1-1. Edmonton scored 10 goals and in two games. And outshot them too, right? And, dry, and outshot them. And Dreisaitl isn't playing nearly as good as we expected so that's a scary thing for chicago um i i think they need to i need their defense need to step up a bit more we saw uh, we, we saw duncan keith getting two points two passes in the first game and the second game there kind of fell apart what about special uh, teams do you think special because special teams made a huge difference on the in game one of this series and then they were just non-existent. And obviously there has been a big question mark with the top line in Chicago not really performing uh, since Saturday. So game three is happening tonight. What? How do they respond? I think they, 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 they need to be more on the offensive side. I, need, I mean, we saw game two, we saw Kane. Um, we saw Kane who responded to McDavid's two early goals. And then we saw almost nothing for the rest of the game. Well, Edmonton scored six. Uh, yeah, this series is just all all offense, and I think it's going to end up being who scores the most. Yep. I mean, I, I, that's the way I see it. I mean, that's how I most, go, that's how most much more games are decided, right? Who scores the most? <laughs> yes, but that, that's assuming that the other teams also know how to play defense, which we clearly see is not the case. The one thing that that the, yeah, the one thing the Oilers did that finally made a difference for them is putting in Miko Koskinen instead of Mike Smith. Like that was mistake. Like number one, what are you doing? Putting Mike Smith in an NHL game period, never mind a playoff game. I don't care what his experience is. Uh, unless Koskinen has COVID, you go with Koskinen. Uh, he gave up he, four goals in the first period of the first game. Mike exactly. Smith. Like you it's just, yeah, you have you to switch come to back from that. So you have to switch to, to Koskinen. Yeah. To, to, to me, uh, I think that Edmonton played a little tighter defensively as well. Uh, I liked what I saw overall from um, the defensive core. Uh, Ethan Bear really is growing into his own for the uh, for the uh, Edmonton Oilers. 
Uh, and Darnell Nurse played hard. So um, of that end, I think that it's really going to come down to this. Will the Hawks maintain Kirby Dak on that second line with Kane? Because the way it's going, I think they might opt to switch it up a bit and put Dylan Strom at center and bump Kirby Dak to the third line. And that would give him actually three balanced center lines that I think that would be able to match up well. Because if you put a Dylan Strom versus a Ryan Nugent Hopkins, there might be the size factor uh, where they're able to kind of push the tempo. And now keep in mind, Chicago has the last change. So I think it, it goes into their benefit to do this. But again, uh, it's a high-scoring series. It's something I really enjoy. Uh, far better than a few other series that we're going to get to, especially the god-awful Leafs versus we'll Columbus series. But let's talk first about let's talk about we'll our own dumpster fires for now. And uh, speaking of dumpster fires, Pittsburgh Penguins and the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, we had two games where we didn't have home ice, and there was a little bit of controversy around the anthem. But that's a side controversy to what's happening on the ice. But let's talk yeah. about uh, Game Three, which takes place also tonight. Um, Home ice advantage. I'm not sure what that difference that makes in an empty building anyway. But last change. Last change. Yeah, thank you. Last. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's, that is, that it, is it. But what happens now? Honestly, you could take away from this. Uh, I mean, I mean, we'll tell you yeah. in five minutes. <laughs> They're announcing the lines uh, in five yeah, minutes. So there's that, too. Um, I, OK, so and also right now, I think that there's also what game is also taking place right now. Uh, I think it's uh, Florida yeah, versus yeah. So Islanders. We'll, we'll update you. Another yeah, good yeah. series. Well, we'll, we'll, right? well, hey, 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 don't diss this. They scored way more goals than I thought they were going to score. Yeah. Agreed. I'll give it if to you. you. I like, we want to talk about boring ass series Columbus oh, versus first, Toronto. Let, let's, let's start let, off with the Penguins can... and, the, and the Canadians. Let's go there. So the Penguins and Canadians, they were fa- facing off. They're 500 now after the Monday night loss. Uh, obviously, I think let's, let's start off with the positives for the Canadians. I'll throw it over to you, Marco. Price. No, they won a game. Okay, come on. <laughs> uh, but Price has been outstanding. He's been excellent in the pipes. Which, again, isn't surprising to me. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh my God, look, this is the carry Price of old. No, his playoff stats are identical to his series versus the Rangers. He had a 1.89 goals against versus in six games versus the Rangers or in five games versus the Rangers, uh, which really means his team is shit offensively. And unfortunately, it hasn't changed uh, in four years. So, you know, yeah, Carey Price, especially in game two, stood on his head. Um, And I'd also like to give props to Matt Murray, who did exactly the same thing. Uh, Really, um, you know, unfortunate kind of pinball style goal from Petrie in overtime in game one. But other than that, I think that Matt Murray has been excellent. Only perfect shots or, or really like broken plays have beaten him. Uh, and I think you could say the same thing about Carey Price. I think the goalies have been by far the best players on the ice. Um, really what I enjoy, though, uh, is is the way that Pittsburgh in game two really started playing the matchup game. They didn't really do anything in game one, but in game two, Crosby versus Suzuki's line, uh, Malkin's line was out there versus mm-hmm. Domi's line. Like, they, they did it on purpose. Um, and ultimately... Deneau's line versus Deneau's line essentially being shut down. Um, there's a lot to discuss here, but ultimately the Canadians uh, were outcoached. Before that's we go to opinion. that sort of element there, I want to actually draw back to another factor that's been there, and that's that this Montreal Canadiens team has handed the Pens 12 power play opportunities in just two games. 
and even things like like issue like I mean like even Claude Julien was saying like he he would like to see more five on five hockey. And I think most Canadians fans would agree. I think the whole league would. <laughs> I think the whole league would like. I think Quinn Hughes had like ten power play minutes yesterday for for Vancouver. Like it's 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 something that's going on throughout the league, um, and it's very unique to this playoff. I find I've never seen this many penalties in a playoff before. Um, but yeah, they, they do. And, and you look at the culprits and it's that second line with Suzuki. It's both Armia and Drouin that have accumulated the most penalties and Philip Deneau. So here are three top six guys that are stuck in the box for minutes at a time, giving one of the most dangerous power plays ample room to play. And again, they still haven't scored. Right? Pittsburgh still hasn't scored on the power play. That is the only thing I give the Canadians credit for, is that their PK, contrary to this season, has been excellent. But other than that, yeah, they, they got to shore it up. Uh, and I think, Adam, I don't know if you agree, but I think players need to start being uh, accountable for these indisciplinary uh, actions on their end. They do, and especially when you're when you're talking about Dano, who's been one of the Canadians' most, uh, who's, ha- who's had the most penalty minutes on the Canadians, and he's one of the guys that that's supposed to be winning those faceoffs when they're shorthanded, right? So that's huge for them. Uh, but then again, the fact that they didn't give up much is very good, especially against a, a Pittsburgh's power play where they have arguably one of the best five-man power play on the, in the league, if not the best, uh, player-wise. And But no, I think in the end, I, I think we need to see something tonight that we need to see mixed, uh, those lines mixed. We need to see changes uh, on Paul Julien's part. Paul Julien change lines? Uh, I don't think in it's going to happen. In situations like this, I can't believe I'm about to say this, AJ, and please slap me after the show. But I, f- I miss Michel Terrier when it came to looking at stagnant lines, how unafraid this guy was at changing stuff up. Because Claude Julien is, a, is the other way around. It's almost dinosaur-like in the sense that he will maintain lines that need to be separated. And I don't, like, I don't know if you guys agree, but how smart is it to have your two best goal scorers on the same line, essentially being shut down, and your third best goal scorer in Max Domi on the fourth? And then we wonder why Jesperi Kakaniemi is the leading goal scorer for the Canadians in the playoffs. <laughs> it's you, you in your effort to balance out the lines. You have like essentially phased out the offense. Well, it's become it's become predictable, right? So it makes it it becomes it very it easy for. And the wheel and Weiss experiment for me is just like, what are you doing? Wheel is useless absolutely useless on any other team. He would be on their ECHL club practically. And, and we bless his soul, Dutch Gretzky, everything he's done. But again, ineffective. like a minus four in his last five playoff games, zero points, just useless. So you, you know, Claude Julien keeps talking about how this is a young club. This isn't a young club. This is an old club with two 20 year old centers. If you want this to be a young club, Jake Evans needs to be in. Ryan Paling needs to be in. Kale Flurry or Yulson needs to take over from from or both. Like, or like both. Or no, you like, can you can put Mete to the left and put Flurry or, or Yulson on the right. Yeah. I just ultimately at this point, 
this isn't a young club. That rhetoric no longer applies. You have plucked out the youth to put in your plugs and you refuse to remove them. Further to that point, you give them key special teams time where they're ineffective. So, you know, I really would like Jake Evans has a right hand shot. Um, Yasperi Kakaniemi can shoot on his off wing. Like there are so many other players that you can put in those situations. And so for me, uh, the fact that these players not only play, but play significant minutes uh, leads me to believe that we won't see anything drastic in the line changes in a little bit. So plenty of things to take away from this Montreal Canadian series. Uh, we do know that we'll be heading to a game on Friday. So that's got, we don't know exactly what time it's going to be, but we will see a game on Friday. And if for some reason it extends out to a fifth game, that will be taking place on Saturday. So the yes, next so uh, day. we will see that, which actually is a good, uh, brings us to a very interesting point. Uh, we didn't, we kind of glossed over this in the opening uh, segment, but essentially for New York and Carolina, they had to play back to back nights. Do you think that's a, a factor that's unfair? Anything, anything into that? I, I personally don't think it really mattered. It doesn't. No, no. Like, and, and especially for Carolina, they're a very young team. I, again, I don't think that playing back to back after being four months off, like you're not traveling. There's no excuse. Maybe only on, on the goalie aspect of things, but you, you saw both goalies get their first playoff starts. Exactly. Playing starts, so. and Reimer killed it. So And Carey Price played 70, someone was on pace for 70 games this year. Like, yeah. I don't think that guy gets tired. And he faced 70-ish so- shots so far in two games. So exactly. He's, yeah, he's still fresh to go. He's still good to so go for sure. And what, what's impressive is how many of those shots were high danger chances. So let's now jump yeah. over to the series that's actually taking place right now. It's in period number one, 7.54 left in the period. So it gives you an idea what we're when we're recording, if you're watching this or listening to this back later. Uh, the Islanders mm. and the Panthers, very interesting series, potentially for some people. I think the real question is, is it's time to bench Bobrovsky? So let me throw it over to you, Adam. What's the call here? I think it's time, but they have no one to... To kind of take, is it Drieger, Chris Drieger. the second yeah. goalie? I mean, yeah, he's, why he's not? Done, he's been good in during the season when he had to to play. I mean, yeah, and look, I think Drieger was an excellent choice. I think that Dale Talon's biggest mistake forever will be the signing of Bobrovsky, and this is a guy that failed to qualify two high end restricted free agents uh, <laughs> not ten years ago. So if this is to me the biggest and worst signing of his career. Uh, that cap hit for sure. After yeah. just having drafted Spencer Knight, it's, it's stupid because that contract is going to be immovable. Like if people think that Carey Price's contract with the shit team that he has in front of him is immovable, Bobrovsky is just like a stone stuck in Miami. Um, yeah. The other thing that they did today, which I found pretty cool, they actually scratched Michael Matheson. And I honestly believe that that's the next Carl Alsner contract where he signed for 4.8, 4.7 or 4.6 million, but for another like five years. And this guy is barely putting up like basic NHL numbers defensively. It's just putrid. He's horrendous defensively. And I think that contract is going to be one of the major reasons why, along with COVID, they're going to lose both Dadanov and Hoffman because they need to cut cost. So you have $15 million in Bobrovsky and Matheson of dead weight, and you're losing two top six wingers. I fully expect Florida to lose today, and I fully expect 
Florida to like go on the afterburns of a rebuild at this point. Adam, what are you thinking? Yeah. Um, I see, ultimately I see Florida being the second team out of the bubble in three. Uh, really didn't like what I saw from the two first games. Uh, they seemed, the, the, the couple minutes I watched from each game, I, Florida just seemed overwhelmed by the Islanders' offense, which is, I mean, do, are the Islanders an offensive team now, or is Florida just that bad in their own zone? Um, Can I answer that? Yep, do it. Uh, Florida is a very bad defensive team. There you go. So, uh, I mean, and they made the Islanders' offense look very good. Uh, y- you saw Eberle score two goals last game. Mm. Uh, you saw Jean-Gabriel Pajot. You saw Beauvillier score uh, for the Islanders. And yeah, I really liked what I saw from the Islanders. I really liked what I saw from uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Brassard on the third line which is when you have those two on the third line and they're producing, I mean, it's a bonus for the team, right? Yeah, depth. And yeah, very good depth, good playoff depth. And yeah, ultimately I see them, I see, I see them sweeping Florida today. Yeah, I think that yeah. the underperformance of guys like Eric Halla, um, Mike Hoffman, yes, got a power play goal, but he had like something north of like 25 chances against while on the ice. Uh, so at five on five, it's horrendous. Um, you know, uh, I'm still looking for Dadanov somewhere on the ice because right now it's just Huberto and Barkov. Um, and honest to God, I think we can say this now that it's been six years since he's been drafted. Uh, Aaron Ekblad is not a number one defenseman in the NHL. It's as simple as that. So hopefully, hopefully, if the Florida Panthers tank well enough, they're going to get one of those top five prize defensemen in the 2021 draft. And that might actually help them play defense. Who knows? Maybe they might have the power to do so. That's an Owen Power joke, guys. I'll talk to you about <laughs> it next year. All right. Uh, so we've discussed that series. Let's move to a series that both of us, uh, of, well, excuse me, all three of us have had question marks. And I'm actually going to lead off with some news on this. So that is the Blue Jackets Maple Leafs series. And Jake Muzzin is out for the rest of the series, as we found out this morning. So being sidelined for the rest of the team's qualifying round, how does this affect? I mean, he was. I mean, it was a pretty bad injury. He was. He was stretchered off the ice after uh, colliding with Oliver. Uh, excuse me, uh, Bjorkstrand, and I think. Yeah, Bjorkstrand's knee. So, uh, so again, nobody wishes for injuries. Injuries are the worst. So I don't care. Well, rivalries that yeah, they're awful. I, uh, but I, I will throw it over to Adam. What What is your takeaway from the series? And obviously, what is the role? I mean, what hole will be left by Jake Muzzin being out of the lineup? Well, first of all, uh, we saw, before we jump into the series, we saw a lot of Toronto fans hoping they would see Sandin at some point. Um, I mean, does that open the door for him? Will they slot him in now that someone's injured and probably not coming back for the rest of the the series? Um, So that's my takeaway from the injury. Uh, Once again, injuries are awful. We don't wish them on anyone, but now we might see a young defenseman come in and dominant right we, we might see someone do a Macar type of thing like last year we never know maybe probably not could be um as for the series we saw first game just columbus clogging up the middle uh, we saw corpus almost just steal the game once again it's a we saw so many goalies just steal games this 
so far. And yeah, just a great bounce back uh, uh, in the second game. I think Toronto had 27 shots, the, the 11 or 10 at some point, which was just crazy. To five at one point. Yeah. Or 27 okay. to 8, sorry, at one point. And they scored on like the 28 shot or something, which is just crazy. Corpus Hall mm. is doing yeah, a great job. I mean, they job. basically had two minutes left before they, everything was going well. But you would see, so I think the Leafs kind of learned from the first game. You, you would see them keep the puck more. Uh, they would rush the play a bit less. They would just, you would just see uh, Toronto's defense keeping the puck more and more until they got someone on them and then just move up the play. So I think once they figure out how to, and I think they will figure out how to break Columbus's system, I think the offense, the floodgates are just going to open and it's going to be game over for. I think that it's a, it's a fair point to talk about how like the Leafs adapted in game two. Um, I'm going to be pretty straightforward with everybody here. Leaf fans, apologies. Uh, where is Mitch Marner? Where is he's busy Mitch playing Marner? for uh, Jake Cause, Muzzin? Because because now it's not just this series. Where was J- where was Mitch Marner versus Boston last year? Matthews Matthews has gotten all kinds of flack, but nobody can touch Matthews in the playoffs right now. That is just clutch scoring, and I'm talking about a Leafs player. And I'm gonna I'm gonna give the props where I got to give props. Matthews is a clutch playoff performer. John Tavares is a clutch playoff performer. I don't, where are Nylander and Marner, right? Like I just, so there's that. Um, the other thing I'd like to point out is we talked about losing uh, Jake Muzzin. By the way, Leaf fans, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, it's not his fault. Uh, a cross check that sends a player flying into the, into the boards is a problem. Bouncing off the boards and onto someone's knee Let's let's just chill on him for a sec. And as for who could potentially replace Jake Muzzin, well, the options are uh, Marinson, Sandine, and Lichgren. So, what? Uh, how much time do you think Sandin is going to be playing next game? Because <laughs> if they play Marinson over Sandin, we have issues, especially considering they're playing Robertson on the third line, uh, who's 18 years old. I think that Sandin is at least worth a lick. But uh, what I'd like to know is what does who's going to step up because it's not Sandin's not going to go into Muzzin's spot. So who's going to take Muzzin's spot? Is it Travis Dermott, who I thought played, considering the Leafs controlled a lot, I thought he was pretty choppy, uh, often making the wrong play, which is undermit like. Um, and then obviously, uh, you know, y- you could always kind of move up Tyson Berry, but that's risky in itself so it's going to be it's going to be a nice puzzle uh for sheldon keith but if i'm tortorella um and i think that's this is the issue and i think adam i'm going to bounce this back off you he doesn't have the speed to take to keep up with the maple leaves and as much as they want to play the trap we saw in game two eventually skill wins it does i mean especially when you have the top six toronto has even top uh, nine even I think Kapanen's playing great. Uh, Kapanen, very, very strong. They are actually. You're right, and Kapanen is very fast. You, you, you can see just guys. They're they're just so quick and so skilled. Mm. That's why I'm saying I think they kind of figured out what they did wrong in game one, and that now they have to 
digest more but yeah i think you once you you would see especially game two you would see toronto keep the puck so long yeah. and just control everything you would see columbus just running after the puck and not not touching it for like minutes i like this point and it's yeah. a point i'd like to make about the montreal canadians as well puck support they support their players on the cycle even on their power play they had many power plays they obviously didn't score But when they move the puck, they move with the puck. It's constant flow. And that makes it incre incredibly hard to defend, and it opens up passing lanes, especially cross-seam passing lanes. And we saw a lot of that with Marner, Matthews. Um, so to me, I'll wait and see what happens in Game three before I say that you know they figured out the Blue Jackets. But I will say this. When John Tortorella blows a gasket like that, you know that he's feeling insecure. You know that he, he's, got, he's been got. And in the first game, we said, oh, the veteran coach got the rookie coach and Sheldon Keefe. Uh, I think Sheldon Keefe responded and responded well. Yeah, I think, I think game three is going to be pivotal for this series. Mm. I think if Columbus wins, then pressure's all on the Leafs because they, they've choked yeah. so many times on, in the playoffs. And now mm. if they win, I think it puts the biggest pressure on Torts and on, on what the... And I, blue jackets have been doing i agree and and i think the last point i want to make on the leash before we move on there were a lot of question marks on freddie anderson's performances but he's been stellar as shit like he's on what he's only let in one goal in two games because the second goal in game one was an empty netter was it not so yeah what, one did. goal in two games yeah. look at that guys toronto has stellar goaltending so I don't know. I, uh, I, I still stand by what I say. I still think they'll win. Still plenty of question marks up in the air for that series. Let's move over to a completely different series. Now jumping conferences, let's go over to the Arizona Coyotes and the Nashville Predators. A not-so-boring series not so boring anymore. Series. Actually good. I thought it was going to... Well, I thought it was going to be a so boring series. Would you like me to get your second they... dish of crow, sir? No, no. I, hold <laughs> up. I thought it was going to be a boring series. And then they started Yossi Saros mm -hmm. in game one. And well, I mean, Arizona has really shown that, that the fun... they've, they know all the Predators' weaknesses, right? Yeah. Well, they, they were also, um, they also benefited from two things. A, uh, Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne picked up right where they left off in their shitty season and proceeded to be undisciplined. But two, I feel like all the bounces went uh, Arizona's way. Those were two extremely fluky goals to start the first. You can't defend that. Like double ricocheting, uh, a puck that you block that lands right in front of the stick of the opposing player that's a foot away from you. There's not much you can defend on that. So I appreciate that. But I loved, absolutely loved the way that they came out in the game too. Um, their defense was activated. Um, they were mobile. They were moving. They kept their feet moving. They were hitting. Um, and they defended the net properly they didn't allow pinball shots because they were clearing the net and blocking shots um and arizona simply just doesn't have the experience nor the firepower to keep up with that yeah i really liked what i saw from uh arizona in the first game they got points from their defense their top players well, yeah defense and top players they got uh, ekman larson scoring dvorak keller you haven't seen much of kessel and hall but I mean, if they keep on going, they, they, they could still catch heat. Uh, and then you saw a shorthand goal from Grabner, which is now... I feel like that's a 100% goal every single time. 
Uh, he has on 22 shorthand goals yeah, in his career. He's the leader. We should give category. him the selkie just for that. Yeah, that, that was pretty amazing. I like oh, that. I, like I, I also I also thought of you when when I was like, oh wow, look at uh, look at Arizona's defense, uh, all super mobile in game one. Obviously, Oliver Ekman Larson leading the charge, but Alex Goligoski put up some good good minutes up there. Uh, so did Jason Demers. Uh, and Jacob Chitrin looks to be healthy. And when Jacob Chitrin is healthy, well, that's another top four defenseman. And Jalmerson was doing a great job shutting down in the first game. But again, I feel like they got overloaded in the second game because uh, Nashville actually played up to their potential. I mean, yeah. And yet, you know, speaking of living up to potential, and you know, this, this is another series we're going to discuss, the Minnesota-Vancouver series. Uh, I think <laughs> that Arizona... And uh, I think Arizona's uh, impressing a lot. The one thing I haven't heard anybody mention in regards to Arizona is the fact that Barrett Hayton is healthy and playing, and we haven't yeah. seen much from him, like at all. And, you know, a lot of the people, and I'm not saying Barrett Hayton's a bad player at all. I'm saying Barrett Hayton is a 20 year old learning the game and playing sheltered minutes, just like some other prospects we know of. Uh, and it takes time. And I think Arizona is doing the right thing by sheltering him and doing the right thing. So everybody that's watching Arizona, please pay attention to Barrett Hayton. I think he's an excellent hockey player, but I just want to show other people how other clubs go about protecting the young assets as they develop. Maybe learn from that, appreciate that, and and be a little bit more conscientious. Talking to you, Montreal media. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if they're going to uh, pay attention to us just yet, but hopefully they might. We might learn a thing or two. In any case, let's learn a thing or two about the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, this is oh. a series that, oh. you know what, I'll just let throw it over to you, Adam. What, what are you feeling right now? This has easily been my favorite know, series right? so far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we have now a 2-1 Calgary lead. Um, honestly, loved what I saw in the first game. You saw great goaltending on, on both ends. Uh, for Calgary, you saw great energy from Kachuk. Obviously, there's been the, the crazy injury yes, to Shifley, I mean, unfortunately, which led to, yeah, very unfortunate for, for the Jets, losing their top player. Um, you saw them also go 0, and 0 for 7 on the power play, which was, again, big. Huge for them. Uh, and then you saw them bounce back in the second game and you saw Ehlers score his first playoff goal in 22 games, which was huge. And he actually scored back-to-back. Uh, he scored in game three as well. So you see, you saw Shifley go down uh, in the first game. You saw the other players take taking charge for the next two. Um, I think it's... Ultimately, I think the series is going the distance. Which is worthy for all Mm. neutral fans who are excited about this. Maybe hard on the hearts of both uh, Peg fans and Flames fans, but I I think at the end of the day, all of us who are watching on the uh, neutrals, chaotic neutrals, lawful neutrals, or evil neutrals, we are 100% in on this series. Yeah, yeah, and and you saw the Flames top players coming in very strong in the the, I mean, it was that second period of that game and and that series could have gone either way but the Flames just flicked that switch and it would just it completely changed everything and I'll I'll throw it over to Marco but last point you saw game 3, you saw Hellebuck feeling kind of overwhelmed maybe the the, the weaker defense on the Winnipeg side is 
catching up a bit. We'll see what happens in, in game oh, 100%. four. But yeah. 100%. And we haven't brought this up at all, but Shifley out. Liney out. Who was the best player for the Winnipeg Jets yesterday? My opinion, Nikolai Ehlers has been yeah. massive. Massive. And this is a guy that took a lot of flack for disappearing in the playoffs. And here he is leading the charge. In my opinion, uh, the best forward. But you just got rid of one, the, one of the strongest centers in the league in Mark Shifley. One of the best goal scorers in Patrick Liney. You've essentially robbed Winnipeg of two-thirds of their first line. Do they Obviously, have a chance? Let me like just the, be straight up. Do you think you do? Dude, they, I mean, of that's course they have exciting, a chance. Right? They so do like, have a chance because they have depth. They have depth in their roster. Um, you know, I, I, I forget his name. Uh, I'm blanking on it now. The third liner that Paul Maurice was just drooling over. The rookie, yeah. Um, starts with an H. Forget Harkins? his name. But yeah, Harkins. There you go. Yeah, I think. Harkins. I've watched Harkins a few times play for Winnipeg when he was called up this year. I really liked what I saw. I think he's got great uh, overall. What's the word I'd be using? Pizzazz. I think he's very strong. Is that, is that a technical uh, a term? That is that a technical really, hockey term? It, awesome. it will be now. Um, one guy that I believe has really stepped up, and I know all Winnipeg fans will agree with this, is Adam Lowry. In the, with the fact now that they've lost their top center, uh, you know Blake Wheeler kind of doing his thing as a leader as well. Uh, you really starting to see a guy, uh, you know, like Lowry, who had a goal and assist uh, in game two, really just come in and own that center line. I, I really like what he did. Uh, another guy that's been pretty good now that he's gotten more minutes is Jack Roslovich. Uh, I really like that uh, that setup as well. From Calgary's side, um, I am pleasantly surprised that the first line finally woke up and it's just not it's not just the Matthew Kachuk show. Um, I think that, uh, especially Monaghan, uh, I found him hungrier. He was going to the net. He was, he was playing that power forward style center game uh, that made him so effective during past seasons. Hopefully, that's a good confidence boost for them. But as we said before, this is by far now the tightest series. And it's the best one because it's quality hockey and they're literally beating the shit out of each other. Yay. <laughs> I mean that's that's what yeah I mean that's what yeah. we sign up for right uh, in any case looking forward to that matchup and seeing where it ends up let's get to the um <clears throat> another series that's on the docket here the Canucks and the Minnesota Wild so is this actually our last series on the list here I actually think, I think we've gone through everything yep. so the rest are the rest the are the uh yeah the round robin yeah, so, uh, we'll quickly brief that but we're more interested in the qualifying round Meh. The series are what counts. We already know who's going to be there next. Exactly. Like, I don't so, care. Connects, uh, yeah. I mean, they've found a winning combination with that lotto line, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, they did. Uh, I liked what I saw yesterday. I think JT Miller was probably the best player on the ice. Uh, I felt in game one, Elias Pettersson was kind of just playing by himself. You don't, you, um, you don't think, Brock, think uh, Brock Bowser had like any like influence on that line or as well? Like, I mean, well, that's it. Brock Besser and JT Miller together played great in game two, but we're talking about the two games. And then game one, they were utterly invisible, not crashing the net, dipsy doodling left and right. I didn't like what I saw. Uh, game two was far more convincing, higher tempo, playing more of a possession game. Um, the one thing I will say, though, uh, if you're going to play against the Vancouver Canucks, don't get a penalty. Because Quinn Hughes played 10 minutes 10 minutes. The guy played 22 total minutes 
11 of those were at five on five. Which is crazy. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So yeah, if you're Minnesota, you need to stop shooting yourself in the foot. A. B. Wasn't Minnesota's only goal last night? Or no, they scored two, but with their first goal was a shorthanded goal. Like, God damn it. They don't even have one five on five goal in this series. Minnesota does. And they've won one of those games. So I stand by what I say in saying that I think that Vancouver is going to still win this series. Um, but the only way they're going to do so is if Minnesota continues to be undisciplined because it forces uh, or it removes the pressure on what I think is a very faulty defense on Vancouver's end. I don't know if you noticed the same thing, Adam, um, but when, when, whenever Minnesota kind of had the puck, there was kind of a sense of, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. On behalf of the defense, you saw them kind of panic. Yeah. Um, I think I, I have to totally agree on, on what you said. And on the flip side for Minnesota, we saw uh, we pretty much doubted the team, the whole team, especially the defense. And we saw in game one, we saw Spurgeon come up with two goals. Yep. Uh, another guy we doubted, we saw Fiala score. And he added two goals in the second game. So. Yeah. Is he the, it, can he bring it to playoffs? I think so far he, absolutely. he absolutely he's done it. Uh, but I have to give you kudos on for for Vancouver's side. You saw so last night the the uh, they won game two series now tied one one, and you saw not only the young players play great for Vancouver. You saw the veterans. So you saw Pearson, you saw Miller, and you saw Horvat score. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, Which, Tyler Toffoli is injured, or else I feel like he would have probably certainly. factored in as well. Yep. So, as predicted, you saw their young players uh, and their veteran play very good for Vancouver. So, yay. Yeah, Marco was but right. But Kevin Fiala, I like the way that Kevin Fiala is moving the puck, regardless of if he's scoring, if he's playing. Uh, unfortunately, Vancouver is giving him too much space, in my opinion, and he's taking full advantage of that. Uh, I think that he's playing a great game, a solid game, and I think that if Minnesota has any chance in, in you know, in, in winning this, uh, you know, they got to make sure that he's covered. If Minnesota is going to win, they got to make sure that all his teammates are open. And I still think, how fun would this series have been if Kaprizov were playing? Yeah, because this is a series made for him. So no, good series, fun times. Um, the only thing I will say is I really want to see how Markstrom is going to hold up. Given the defensive side exactly, for Vancouver isn't playing exactly. well. Yeah. I liked what I saw yesterday, but can he bring that every single game? And if he does, the only thing I'm going to say is ka-ching! Because yeah. he's going to get paid. And if, if he can bring it and we actually see one goal games for the rest oh, yeah. of the series... It's actually been a better series than we thought. Yeah, and, well, I thought it was going to be a, 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 an up and down series, but it seems to be an east west series. Yeah, honestly, I thought Vancouver Vancouver was just going to score at will, and it hasn't been the case so far. So, yeah, pleasantly surprised. So, far. Yeah. so that covers yeah. your NHL playoff qualifying round picture. We're not going to talk about the seeds because we can always talk about that once the qualifying round is settled. But we will bring you all the hockey action next week but thanks so much for joining us this week on the hockey flow of course i gotta shout out our key peeps over here adam adam shout out your twitter handle here please right now really so adam, adam boucher Deep. you can find him on twitter and of course scrimmage and stats.com's marco D'Amico, where can we find you on twitter 
at the, the hockey, hockey expert. expert. Of course, now we are listed on Spotify. We are coming to Apple and Google Podcasts later this week, so check us out there. But of course, you can also check us out on our website, thehockeyflow.com or hockeyflow.com. Either way, it gets us where we are. We're going to post up the episodes. What we also do is you can see the show notes, you can see what we're discussing, and you can take a look at it there. It's still bare bones, but it's coming along, and we thank you for your patience as we start building out this uh, podcast. So that's it for The Hockey Flow. I'm AJ Cordero. We'll catch you guys next week. Wait, Marco's signaling me to say something. What do you want to say? Monday, Monday is the draft, is the draft lottery. lottery. That's important to actually say. <laughs> so, yes. Thank you, Marco. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Draft Lottery. Monday. Yay. <laughs> <laughs>